Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to bring you the most recent Kansas State sporting news. I'm Ace Edwards, and this is the host. Wait, is this where you want me to? Yeah, this is where I want you to do the bit. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Connor Baltazor. (laughs) And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a little bit of recruiting news, but the meat and potatoes of today's episode is the Supreme Court's commitment to doing what everyone in America wants, and that is embarrassing the NCAA on a national scale. We'll get into the reasons for that in a bit later, why they got embarrassed, not why it's funny that they got embarrassed. But first, the the bit of news that specifically applies to Kansas State University. K-State recently, their football program, got another commit. The first commit of the month of June, that is for 2022, I should say, because Kingsley was the 2021 commit from Hutchinson Community College. But now we have another commit for the 2022 class by the name of Toby Usinsanme. What do you know about Toby Usinsanme? Uh, what I know primarily about Toby Usinsanme is that he is a he's he plays defensive back right now in high school. Uh, he's in Wichita right now for high school, and uh, he um is he's gauged to play linebacker at the collegiate level because he's. He's a pretty big guy for a safety. He's 6'3", 210. Um, I have made this comparison a couple nights ago to Ace, and um, I also saw this um, point get made on Twitter by somebody different today. I think it was um, at the K-State fan or Clint Stevens, whatever his ad is now because his old account got banned. But uh, he is very similar in archetype to former K-State linebacker Elijah Lee, who was drafted in the seventh round of the NFL draft, I think in 2018, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. somewhere right there. And he's uh, um, hung around the league. He was drafted by the Vikings. Then he was picked up by the 49ers. And he was there for like three seasons, I think. He was on that Niners uh, Super Bowl team. They didn't win, but he was, he was making special teams plays in that game. Mm-hmm. And... But yeah, they're very similar size and stature, although it's possible that Toby Osinsani is a little bit more athletic, which is really encouraging because I think that uh, our, our system screams a need for uh, athletic long linebackers because we haven't always had that here. Like, uh, I think back to the terrifying... I'll call it linebacker duo of John Hulick and Alex Hrebeck back at the <laughs> very beginning of Snyder 2.0. That was a, I'll call it nightmare. concerning couple of nightmare. years and, and run to, <laughs> yeah, we'll call it a nightmare. Great tacklers, great tacklers. If they were linebackers in 1990, they would have been first team All-Americans and get drafted. <laughs> like, however, in the year, in the age of the spread in the Big 12 Conference, linebackers like Tobios and Sanmi who were safeties but are big enough to be moved to linebacker, especially if they uh, add a little meat on their bones. Uh, that's a massive pickup. And, and also he's uh, improved in some of his athleticism on, on uh, track, track and field. Yep. He ran a, a 10.8 second 100 meter dash, which is great for a person of his size. Like For reference, like Jaron Kanak of Hayes, he's 
slightly smaller. He's like a couple inches shorter and a little bit lighter. Uh, he ran a 10.38, which was granted it was wind aided. So his true speed is probably somewhere more in the 10.5 range, which for a linebacker is elite athleticism. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous for a linebacker. Yeah, like Toby, like running that fast at six foot three and already weighing two hundred ten pounds, that's unbelievably exciting. He's only a two star right now on uh, Rivals, and I don't think he's rated on twenty four seven yet. But I imagine he's a guy that's going to get upgraded to a three star and could ultimately be one of the better athletes out of this class when it's all said and done. Yeah, and that's a, that's a big thing that especially moving to a three three five, the new defensive scheme at K State. That is going to be huge, having that, that athletic linebacker, whether he plays a more money backer, an edge rusher, or if he plays the Mike linebacker, no matter where you put him, having that freakish athleticism, no matter where on the field, if he's a part of the linebacking core, will be especially useful against teams like Oklahoma and West Virginia, who spread, the ball, who spread it about and then just throw the ball as much as they can. And it, it doesn't hurt that he has that size in order to play the run game decently as well. And I imagine it's just going to be a lot of technique. So let's hope K-State coaching the K-State coaching staff can develop his technique in order to run fit and things like that, which I'm cautiously optimistic for. Yeah, I think that we have a staff of uh, decent recruiters and good developers at the moment. Uh, slightly better than Snyder. I think that our developer of talent are at least on par with what Snyder was by the end. And I think that we're better recruiters. Yeah. At least that's my hunch. We ultimately need to see more consistent results to prove that hunch. But I think that that's on the uh, the horizon. But I do like uh, Toby, uh, how he fits into this uh, um, defensive scheme. Uh, that we're going to be having in the future because he he's really versatile like you said i think in that he could be more of a safety uh linebacker hybrid because he's played safety so he, that's like maybe even his natural position uh he might be able to play mike if he bulks up and he could also take on that elijah lee role that elijah lee had when he was just a true freshman because he was one of very yeah. few true freshmen to play under bill snyder at a second stint and yep. he would come in for jet rush packages and that's something that Toby could do as well uh, with just great speed and just adding a little strength. He could be a guy who just comes in on third down for uh, um, a pass rush package and just run at the quarterback, see what happens. Yep. But the, there's other reasons than just on the field, as there are with every single recruit nowadays. There's stuff off the field that matters for him as well. And the first thing that I really want to pay attention to, even though it's out of order on the script, is that he is familiar with 2023 recruits, Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards. They played on this, both the same 7-on-7 seven seven team. Now, it's not known if they were close friends with one another, but they still played on the exact same team. And just picking up people from that area, it helps recruits feel more comfortable in that area because it's, it's natural human instinct. Do you want to drop me off in the middle of a city that I'm vaguely familiar with alone or with a bunch of people or at least one or two people that I'm familiar with, I've played with, I know? Right, exactly. Like, And you wouldn't think that that would be a big issue for a place like Wichita. It's only a couple hours away from uh, Manhattan. But 
uh, recently, KC has really struggled with recruiting uh, the Wichita area. Uh, the previous staff did not have great relationships with the head coaches in that area. Uh, so we would we lost out on guys uh, that we probably could have had, like Brees Hall. That's a guy that we, in all honesty, probably should have had, but the didn't. previous staff didn't do enough to recruit him. And that was right when Kleiman and company came in, they tried to make up ground on him, but it was just too little too late there. Uh, but uh, making headway in the Wichita area, I mean, really the most recent guy I can think of that has really made an impact from Wichita is Denzel Goolsby, and that's yep. about it. But And he still went to, I think, Carroll? Bishop, Bishop Carroll. Carroll. So, yeah, so even then, like, uh, we're, we still haven't really hit the Wichita public schools very well, and there's a lot of athletes from there, guys like Xavier Kelly that went to Clemson. Like, he rode the bench on Clemson for four years. If you come to K-State, he's a guy that might have been Probably would have started four years. Yeah, he probably would have started. Like, because he transferred to Arkansas. I think he ended up getting drafted in the seventh round because he's just, like, incredibly athletic or something like that. Like, yeah. But yeah, Xavier Kelly, like, that's another example of a Wichita public school guy that we probably should have gotten. Marcus Hicks. Uh, I think he's at OU right now. I think he's a defensive end. Uh, I'm fairly certain he was like the standout on that Wichita Northwest squad. That I think they won state. Either that or they lost to Aquinas in 5A state. Because everyone uh, loses to Aquinas because private schools lol, But that's a different discussion for a different day. Yeah, and there, there's news around that as well. It's kind of yeah, scope different, different news, different yeah. news. Um, but um, that is kind of happening. But yeah making headway into Wichita public schools uh, that's huge for the future I'm happy to see that the staff is doing that right now I'm also happy to see that we're going out and getting guys early like Toby's only two star right now but the staff has been absolutely A plus at early evaluation and identifying talent like this staff is second to none at identifying talent early and there's a reason that we get in on so many guys early and then they end up going somewhere else. It's because we're great openers, and we're great at finding guys early. We just cannot we can't close, close right now. But stuff like that, I, if we start winning, that'll come. If we don't start winning, then we can start talking about other stuff. But until we cross that bridge, I'm just not even going to touch that. But yeah. but yeah, back to him knowing Avery and Dylan. Uh, it's great that they're familiar. Uh, with each other, because Avery, I believe, is Mays, and Dylan is Derby High School. Yes. If I'm correct. You're correct. Yes. You're correct. Yeah, so uh, that familiarity, that could be another thing that helps. Uh, Avery, I know he's um, gone on several visits. Like I know he visited Florida State as well as K-State. Uh, Dylan Edwards, he's made some visits as well. Um he might have visited Kentucky, if I recall. He, visited, he did visit Kentucky. He just visited KU as well. Which, yeah, please so don't lose to KU. <laughs> I can't imagine that we would lose Dylan Edwards to KU. I mean, his dad's a K-State grad. Uh, his dad played for K-State in the 90s. I I can't imagine his dad would allow that. But who knows? <laughs> forbidden. But, uh, forbidden. But, uh, yeah, Avery and Dylan... Any headway that we can make on those two, anything that we can use to our advantage in those recruitments is massive for the staff. Because if we land those two guys, that could cause me to overlook a lot of the misses that are going on right now. Because those two guys are some of the... I think they may be 
especially Dylan, the most important groups out of Kansas so far for climbing and company. Just like there's so many ties there already. Those are guys that we should be able to get. And as beyond that, they're just incredibly talented yeah. players. Yeah. And that's that's gonna that's gonna be we're gonna keep harping on this until the end of time. Getting talented kids from Kansas is going to be very, very important because they do exist. There are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Jaron Knack. Like he's um um basically all the committed to Clemson as far as I know. Uh, yeah. maybe the Katie Crawford stuff has caused him to look Give around. State a, a second look. But, but we 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 have no idea on that. I mean if I were him, Clemson, like that's his dream school as far as we've been able to tell. And that's a great opportunity. But K State, great school as well, local school. So hey, maybe maybe he'll uh, um, give us another look. Like yeah, and I feel like that's something. This is kind of going back to earlier. I, I feel like that needs to be a part of our recruiting pitch. Is yeah, you can go play in other places, but a lot of people will. This is going to be very difficult to say without insulting anybody. So I'm just going to outright say it. There are a lot of recruits who will get recruited and given scholarships by the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. And then they get there and they realize that Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, they recruit five stars too. And a lot of times the five stars end up winning. So you get the stories like the the guy from Wichita Northwest, I believe you said. That Uh, that was Xavier Kelly. Yeah, Xavier Kelly. You get stories like Xavier Kelly who sit on the bench for four years and say, well, this kind of sucks. I mean... I'm at a program that will win a national championship, but I'm not playing. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, and he, he picked up some rings, which is great, but at the end of the day, he's a, he was athletic enough to where if he had gotten exposure at a school like K-State, he moves from either being undrafted or a second or a seventh round pick, I don't recall which it was, to maybe being in that early day three conversation because he is very athletic and he was committed to K-State at one point if memory serves correctly but he ended up decommitting to go to Clemson which I mean granted Clemson fair. is Clemson that's <laughs> that's fair but at the end of the day that uh, it's not as simple as Clemson is a better school you also have to look at it from a playing time perspective because you can be incredibly talented and Jared Knack is an unbelievable athlete but playing time and notoriety I mean at a on K-State, if Jaron Kanak were to come here, he'd be a standout. He would be the guy on defense for probably at least two to three years. I yeah. would imagine probably even more. And if he can do that at Clemson, then all power to him. Be the next Isaiah Simmons if you if you can do it. He's bad himself yep. so far. But K-State, that's a, that's a sure thing if he's the real deal. Yep. And the, there's also the, the secondary part of this is that Whenever you start getting a lot of recruits at a certain position, it starts putting pressure on other recruits on that exact same position. So Toby is a linebacker, which means that the other linebackers on K-State's board might be feeling a tiny bit more pressure to commit before they the room fills up. Because there are a lot of times that a room will fill up. And for guys that maybe only have one to three power five offers... A room filling up is exactly what they want to avoid if they want to go to Power 5. And like it or not, if you get your foot in the door first by committing first, you're probably going to be not necessarily prioritized, but 
you're there first, you were committed first, you're going to get the first looks. So this puts pressure on people on their linebacking board, which I imagine you know the you know the linebacking board like the back of your hand. Yeah, like uh, the top guy right now outside of Jaron Kanak, who is technically an athlete, but I'd imagine he would play linebacker at the second level because that's where a lot of his potential lays. Uh, there's uh, quite a few guys on the board right now for K-State. Um, I'd say at the top is Jalen White. Uh, he is out of Arkansas. And right now, and Arkansas did recently offer, so we're going to have to beat them out for him, which I think is totally doable. Uh, Arkansas recently, they haven't done or they, they've Anything. been decent. Yeah, yeah, they've been decent at keeping in-state guys home, but they haven't really been incredible on the field. So uh, hopefully he's a guy that we would be able to uh, persuade to leave his home state because it's not as if we're we're that far away. Like, no. like honestly, like I, I don't recall exactly where he's from um, in Arkansas, um, but nevertheless, he's extremely athletic. Uh, he's um, a lot like um, Osun Sunmi uh, in, in that regard, and he he's a naturally gifted linebacker. I'd say he's less raw than Osun Sunmi is. He'd be more ready to play. Toby's a guy that uh, he right now uh, would be great for pass rushing and whatnot. But Jalen White is the type of guy that, if the need arises, he's ready to play if you need him to early on. Yeah. Another guy up there uh, is Jake Clifton out of Owasso, Oklahoma. I believe it's a battle between, uh, just at least based on like his Twitter, which is about as good as it gets, honestly, for engaging a recruit's yeah. mind. Is, uh, it's kind of between K-State and Washington State right now. Uh, Jake Clifton's another guy. He's 6'3", 205. He's another uh, sort of safety guy that's going to bulk up and play linebacker. And that, that's a common theme. For K-State right now in linebacker recruiting is they want uh, long athletic guys. And that's a common theme at most positions for K-State is they they will take a guy that's a little bit like less bulky right now but has long arms and is a fluid athlete and then develop the finer skills uh, yeah. for him later down the line. And I like that approach. Kind of the opposite of what Bill did uh, towards the end. He uh, would take guys that were very technically sound uh, but weren't necessarily the most athletic. And there's a time and a place for that, but you can't teach athleticism. And the staff is aware of that. And technique can be taught, at least to most people. Some people just can't yeah. do it. Some but... people can't. <laughs> like a high school classmate of ours. Yeah. <laughs> Some people just are uh, technically challenged in, in that regard. <laughs> um, but uh, Jay Clifton, he's a guy uh, that I... I think the staff would take immediately right now uh, if, if it were available to them. Uh, he's a, I, I think that he is probably another developmental project, but regardless, he has a place on that roster, and he's a guy that we may see at some point uh, in, the, in the future if he ends up deciding to commit here. And that leaves a few other people. Uh, Gavin Myers of Hayes, he's still on the board, uh, although he's had a weird recruitment because he was a hot commodity for a while. And he, for a, for a little bit, it looked like he was going to have the type of recruitment Jaron Kanak is having. He uh, he was the first guy out of Hayes to really blow up. Mm -hmm. But now teams are really hesitant on him because they think that uh, he's um, 
he's not really a modern linebacker. They think he, they see him as more of a, a thumper of old, uh, like a guy that in the early '90s against like Nebraska triple option would have been unbelievable Amazing linebacker. One. <laughs> yeah, like, but he's. Uh, I think there's concerns about his athleticism and whatnot. However, he still is a good linebacker regardless. It's ultimately going to come down to you know, somebody who wants to gamble on if he is athletically at full capacity or mm-hmm. if he has room to grow there. But yeah. K-State may be a team that's willing to uh, take a shot on him. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but they, they just might. Then there's a couple other guys. Shaquan Bowser of uh, Gilbert, Arizona. He's been a guy that's floating around the board uh, for a while now. He's 6'4", 225. He is a true outside linebacker. I don't know a ton about him other than he's kind of just like his name has been lofted out there here and there for a while now and nothing has really happened with his recruitment. And then there's Keaton Bailey uh, to Jefferson, Georgia, who has been on the visit and uh, uh, he's solicited as a zero star and I think the staff would take him as well, uh, although he's, uh, I think, a little bit lower uh, than the other guys. Like, his film isn't quite as impressive as people yeah. like, obviously, like Jalen White, but Tobios and Sunny has more potential. Um, but that's pretty much the majority of uh, the linebacking board. There's a few other guys uh, whose names are evading me at the moment. Like, there's a guy uh, from Nebraska that we just offered... Um, uh, he he's a he hasn't been ranked yet. Uh, he's six one one ninety. I'm not recalling his name at the moment though. But we just offered him a couple days ago, and I think he's visiting pretty soon. Okay. I just I cannot think of his name for the life of me. But that, that's our linebacking board right now, and it's a good board. The staff puts together great recruiting boards, and we get on guys before they blow up. And I mean, there's a reason that we're first, second, or third offer for a lot of guys. And yep. because schools kind of wait around, see if we're going to offer, and if we do, they're like, oh, well, he's probably good. Well, he's probably and, decent. Let's and just so yoink him. Throw their hat in the ring as well. And so ultimately, like, while it is a positive sign of the staff's ability to identify talent, uh, they still have to close. And like, I don't want to make too many excuses for them. Uh, like, I, I know that there's probably some things I could say, but like at the end of the day, they do need to start winning more battles because right now most of the recruits haven't really been fights yeah and we've we've had this discussion on the podcast before yeah like i won't beat it to death just like like toby didn't have any other offers i don't think but he may have had a ku offer but um he did not yeah (laughs) no i it's not saying that he didn't i'm just saying um ku yeah like because i think that's out of all the commits we have KU's the only other school that's offered on any of them, as far as I know, at least for 2022. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case for 2021 or 20, but uh, the staff has struggled to win recruiting battles so far this year. Yeah, which we've gone over, but something that we've we've done surprisingly well at, and I'm surprised we haven't talked about before, is K-State's commitment to the transfer portal. Because we always talk about, oh, this guy's transferring in. This is a big win for K-State because he's transferring in. But what we don't talk about or haven't talked about as much is that Chris Kleiman has outright said himself that he is committed to using the transfer portal to its to its fullest capacity. 
In fact, in an interview, I think with K-Man, which is the local radio station, I think he said he's reserving 10 scholarship spots for transfers, just for transfers. And that's very high. And honestly, it's an approach that with the way that college football is running, not to sound like one of those old college football purists, like, oh, no one, no one stays anymore. Because I, I do think that a lot of people kind of get caught up in recruiting hype and then make mistakes, which is why the transfer portal exists. But moving into this new age of college football, I think that using that the transfer portal as well as we have and as well as we will hopefully do in the future and committing that many resources to it is going to be a great thing for us. Yeah, I, I totally agree about the transfer portal. Uh, I like that Kleiman is going to be using it more in the future. I mean, it brought us guys like, uh, like Julius Brents and Russ East this year and uh, Timmy Horn. Uh, and I'm really excited. And Daniel Matterbebe. Those are guys that we honestly probably would not have been able to get uh, through Otherwise. recruiting. And I think part of it is just from the staff's recruiting tactics. I think that it's more suited to guys that have already been in college football. I think that our staff uh, has a more realistic and straight-up approach, at least just based off the character from what I can tell from their interviews. they I would imagine that they take a very uh, grounded. Uh, like realistic approach, and they're very grounded. And I think that appeals to uh, people that have already been through the recruiting process once and people that are transferring out because they, they got sick of uh, the previous program they were in and, like, a bunch of grandiose promises being made on the recruitment trail that weren't followed through on. And I, th I think that the realistic and grounded approach is really refreshing. And that is uh, a hit for transfers, uh, especially transfers that uh, are a little bit more mature and that have really grown uh, in their time in college. So, I mean, that's why we were able to get guys like Julius Brantz and Timmy Horn and Russ East, because those are all... Uh, recruiting wins right there at least uh yep. yeast and julius brent's work i don't know about timmy horn and what his offers were uh but julius brent's that's a legit win right there and uh the staff locked him up pretty quickly that that's a massive win mm -hmm. and that's that's something that i i 100 agree with you on the whole approach thing and the the way i'm gonna liken it is that the the way that K-State is building their roster right now and their commitment to the transfer portal is very similar to how the Los Angeles Rams have built their roster. And let, let me explain. <laughs> let me explain myself in that there are... The Los Angeles Rams, I don't think, have a first-round draft pick and haven't had a first-round draft pick for quite a while. And they're not going to have one for quite a while. Because they keep spending their draft picks on known commodities and known veterans. Of course, you have the obvious example of, in my opinion, the first or second best corner in the game, probably right next to or above Jair Alexander, is Jalen Ramsey. They traded for him, gave up a lot of first round picks to do so, but he was a known commodity. And the way that I'm likening this is the high school recruiting trail is like the NFL draft. You have a lot of people who have a lot of aspirations that you can make a lot of promises for. But there's no real guarantee that they'll work out. 
And the transfer portal is like trading for someone in a more or less literal sense. You're getting what you, what you know from unless they didn't play in their previous program, which isn't the case for a lot of the recruits that we've gotten, except for maybe Amatsuar Bebe, because Russ Yeast yeah. and Julius Brents were contributors. I mean, yeah, they were uh, they were starters. Yeast was a, a three-year starter, I think, at Louisville. And Brents, I think, I don't think he was a starter, but he was getting significant playing time as a true freshman or redshirt freshman which is significant and i do know i remember hearing the iowa staff was just uh beside themselves that they that they lost him like which was like i'm happy to get one back at iowa for uh all their wins in the high school recruiting trail uh hopefully Mm -hmm. we can get another one back on them with uh flipping kaden crawford fingers crossed yeah but uh but yeah no i i totally agree the uh, we're, we're getting uh, no commodities in the transfer portal. Like Timmy Horn, he's another guy. Uh, he started at, uh, over 10 games, I know, over a dozen games, I think, even. And he uh, he's a great fit there, and, and we know what he brings. Uh, Daniel Matterbebe, he's less of a known commodity just because of injuries, but we do know what he can do when he's healthy because he had a great freshman season at USC. Granted, that was like a million years ago, but... <laughs> Because he's like Skylar Thompson. D- dinosaurs walked the earth the last time he was a freshman. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be an a for college football standards an elderly uh, offensive <laughs> uh, connection there between Skylar Thompson and Daniel Matterbebe. Yeah. But so we we've talked about the recruiting news that we wanted to go over, and now now here comes probably my favorite part of the show because it very much involves the NCAA getting dunked on. So for the uninitiated, or for those who haven't been really paying attention to the NCAA news, which honestly, who does keep track of a court case after it's gone on for roughly two and a half or three months, unless you're personally invested in it, which. As someone who's not a college athlete, I've not been personally invested in it. But recently, the Supreme Court decided on the case of the NCAA versus Alston, which, in essence, it was a unanimous decision against the NCAA, which, firstly, I just saw the NCAA get dunked on. I'm happy. It's beautiful. It's always beautiful. It's always beautiful to watch. But essentially what this does is it allows for college athletes to take academic scholarships or grants outside of their athletic program. So as an example, say you got a music grant because you're also a very, very good trumpet player or you want to play a musical instrument and study a musical instrument while you're in college. Under the old rule, because you were a college athlete, you reasonably I don't think you could take another scholarship outside of your athletic scholarship, no matter what instrument or what program you were in. Now, some might say that that is ridiculous. And all nine of the Supreme Court justices agreed with this sentiment, meaning that you can start collecting outside scholarships and outside financial aid from the athletic program. It is worth noting, this is not the bombshell case that will inevitably come about name, image, and likeness, which basically playing the play, paying the players for things like their jersey number and allowing them to take sponsorships, 
this is not that. Yeah, that However, was a massive misconception today. Yes, I, I saw the, that flying around all over the place. It's maybe an indicator. I think that's what you were about to say. Yeah, it is a it is a massive indicator, especially given the comments from some of the justices. But we'll, we'll get into those comments later, and we'll just basically sum it up as as it stands right now with the current Supreme Court ruling the athletes can get paid as long as it has to do with financial aid with their education. So music grants, academic scholarships, which I am personally all for. And I don't feel like there is a single human being who, after hearing this context, would disagree with the Supreme Court's ruling on this case. Other than uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert, uh, I'd imagine he's not very happy about it. <laughs> I, I imagine because he also well, made a comment. He's the, the significant outlier. Yeah, he's he also made a comment about it, which we'll talk about later. But right now, as it stands, massive win for athletes because there are a few athletes and a few programs that get partial scholarships and otherwise have to pay their way who might no longer have to pay for that little bit of college because they can now get the academic part of the scholarship, which I'm 100% for. If you're smart enough to get an academic scholarship and you're athletic enough to play football, I'm good. Go that's ahead. Huge, that's huge for guys that may have um, chosen to go get like an FCS uh, full scholarship, uh, but were really smart, but couldn't afford to walk on at a power five Yep. Uh, like K-State. So, because K-State has a thriving walk-on program, uh, for better or for worse. And yep. uh, so that that could actually be a pretty big benefit there because we may be able to take more guys uh, that go under the radar as preferred walk-ons that would be looking at academic scholarships. Yep. And that and that's huge. But the, the question that, that everyone is asking, because everyone's kind of on board with yeah, okay, they can get academic scholarships now. But the question that everyone is asking is, well, what does this mean for the future? And, and there's there are a few comments that, that I want to highlight. And that, also, just, just a quick note on our background to just give ourselves a tiny bit of credibility. I have personally studied the law both in my free time and at classes through Kansas State University. Both of us are in the pre-law programs at Kansas State University. Both of us are applying to law school after Kansas State University. So, we recognize the context of certain court proceedings and what people say whenever they're making court rulings. Which is why it's important to note that all but one of the judges were, were pretty vague on the whole amateurism standard in terms of the NCAA, because that's always what they've hid behind for not giving people sponsorships or jersey licenses. It's always been, oh, it's an amateur sport, which <sighs> you're paying insurance that they only get if they play for you, so therefore that kind of removes the amateur part of it because the moment they go pro you're removing that so therefore the definition of professional is you get paid to do something and the payment can be compensation in terms of insurance so 
by their own definition of professional and amateur, it doesn't make sense. But there, there's one, there's one Supreme Court justice that he absolutely made it 100% clear that the standard of amateurism is not something that the NCAA can hide on anymore. That was Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who, to sum up his statement, said, yeah, basically, this is going to open the door for name and likeness because they can't hide anymore. They've been challenged. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was shocked to see Kavanaugh come out and just absolutely torch the NCAA. <laughs> I mean, like, snaps? Snaps for Kavanaugh. Good on you, buddy. (laughs) Like, I haven't always been your biggest fan, my man, but today, today you took a huge dub. I'll shake your hand. Today was a beautiful day for the Supreme Court of the United States. Because, like, he he even said, like, uh, quote, the the NCAA is, quote, not above the law. And the NCAA (laughs) model, quote, would be flatly illegal in almost any <laughs> other industry in America. Which is totally true, but true. nobody's ever said it. <laughs> it and, yeah, and, and then he said, quote, suppressing the pay of student-athletes who collectively generate, or the current arrangement is, quote, suppressing the pay of student-athletes who collectively generate billions of dollars in revenues for colleges every year. So he's finally, like, just coming out. He's dumpstering the NCAA. <laughs> I mean, like, granted, is he going a little bit outside of, of what this is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <It> care. <laughs> like, I'll make an exception. Like, it may not be a totally relevant opinion because, like, uh, the NCAA's lawyers, they were trying to make note that none of the other justices signed on to this opinion. And I don't think it's because they disagreed. It's more, I think it's mainly because I think Kavanaugh just wanted to go on a rampage. <laughs> and he just and all the other justices said, "Okay, do your thing, man. Like, go for it, Brett." Yeah, because so like, all, all the other eight were all really subtle. They're just like, "Well, this is why we're making the decision on this case." And I think the the two that were especially vague, or the one rather that was especially vague, was uh, isn't he chief Gorsuch? Uh, no, Gorsuch isn't chief. Uh, John Roberts is chief. Roberts is chief. Anyway, Gorsuch was especially vague. Because he just, he basically said, yeah, this is why we're ruling on this. I will not elaborate further. <laughs> and Kavanaugh came out and said, yeah, and... <laughs> and y'all are running a scam. Like, I, I see your, like, uh, your very subtle and very uh, toned down response, and I raise you a... <laughs> Nuclear <platform>. option. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I raise you fat man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I raise you somebody screaming fire in a crowded theater. <laughs> <laughs> like, he basically wrote an opinion for the next NCAA court case, like, at least a year ahead of time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I kind of respect the, like, the gall it takes to do that. Like, basically just announcing what you're going to rule before you even hear the next case. <laughs> <laughs> I, the NCAA is just sitting there like, are you kidding? Well, I guess we can't. That's one vote we're not getting. Yeah, so, like, they, the best they can do now is 8-1. Like, <laughs> and I doubt they get uh, Clarence Thomas. Uh, no. <laughs> because I know Thomas has been pretty outwardly spoken, surprisingly for him, uh, about the free market approach and that it's not, like, uh, conducive to the free market to uh, 
not pay athletes and basically they're being violated in that way. And I'm sure that everybody else, I'm sure that the conservative justices on the court will follow that logic. And I think the liberals on the court will view it from, from that point of view and also throw in some like, uh, uh rights issues for students and stuff like that. Like they'll come at it from different points of view, but they're all going to reach the same conclusion and probably all agree anyways. It's kind of so. like America. It's kind of like America because kinda, isn't it? We we started talking about this before the podcast even started because, as we said, we do the podcast once before. Yeah, it, we we took like another hour before recording. We do it every time. Every time, but there there it's one of the few things that America can agree on. Bipartisan on a bipartisan stance, the NCAA needs to get smacked. And honestly, no matter where you're at at the political aisle or how you feel about the Supreme Court justices, this is a colossal dub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like no matter how you look at it, because I mean, like, every, I don't think anybody really wants to see the NCAA succeed because the NCAA sucks. <laughs> The only reason Wait. I want them to stick together is if they uh, allow all the NLI stuff or NIL stuff and uh, basically succumb to all that, and they basically exist solely just to provide like overarching guidelines on like how to manage it. Like, because that's yeah. the only thing is I don't want conferences going out and making their own guidelines. That's the only benefit no. to the NCAA existing. Like, is that they are technically supposed to be like the the massive governing body. body. Yeah, but regardless, they don't do it correctly. So yeah, they suck at it. So it's kind of like the U.S. federal government. Oh, this yeah, is a political. This no. is a this is a political podcast now. Well, now, I, now I have to uh, list this as an explicit podcast for the political stuff that we're talking about. Oh no! Anyway, so let's get off of that topic. Um, but alongside Justice Kavanaugh's obvious disdain for the NCAA, which we still will agree is hilarious there's it's awesome um and also the fact that we got clarence thomas to rule against a large business which that's a extremely rare that's a difficult thing to do um i don't remember what ncaa case i think it was in the earlier hearings of this case because this was just a decision and the hearings were a while ago they were a while ago I think he actually asked questions during this. Yeah, which is, if you don't know Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, he's always quiet. He's, he very rarely asks questions. He, he doesn't ask questions. In fact, I remember there's a famous story. Doesn't he have, he wrote down a question for an aide and had the aide ask it because he didn't want to talk. Yeah, and, like. And he asked questions and then dumpstered on the NCAA because they gave a weak response. <laughs> Yeah, like, he, he <laughs> I, I don't even know what, what else to say about it, other than, like, if you, if you follow the Supreme Court even a little bit, uh, all I will say is that, I'm, I'm looking at an article right now, I was, I was looking this up, just, mm -hmm. uh, the headline is, Justice Clarence Thomas asked a question for the first time in three years, and this was <laughs> March 20th, 2019, <laughs> so he went three years without, without asking, asking a question. question and also and it gets worse than that at one point he went a decade without asking a question <laughs> in the court like and that's his job that's his <laughs> only job in hearings is to ask questions no everyone he else just do it 
He just, no, he just takes it, like, everyone else asks the questions, and then he's just, I know what answer that I want from a legal standpoint, and there's nothing you can say to change my mind. Yeah, he just set in stone, I guess. Because, like, he went from 2006 to 2016 without asking a singular question in uh, court proceedings. And, but, however, since uh, um, court proceedings went online, he... I'm um, actually asked a lot of questions. Like I think during uh, some of the COVID live streams of, of the Supreme Court, he asked 17 questions all one day. That's huge for him. Which I think that might have been more than he ever asked in his whole career in a single day. So maybe it's just the being in person thing that makes him anxious. But that's a little off topic, I guess. Yeah, it is very off topic, especially considering the next line is about the NCAA precedent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we, we talked about the NCAA president earlier and how he probably wouldn't be happy with this ruling. So he came out recently with a statement saying that they're committed to supporting name, image, and likeness for college athletes, which raises the question of, first off, what changed? Second, are you lying? Third, based off the second, why are you lying? <laughs> And fourth, what are you actually going to do to help? I think that the answer to the first three questions is that they saw the writing on the wall when states started going off on their own, and they, for some reason, are trying to do PR management on an issue where everyone knows that they're in the wrong, but they're acting like they haven't been against it for their entire existence. <laughs> and then... What was the last question again? What was your last question? The last question was, what are you actually going to do to change? Oh, nothing. Nothing? Because, <laughs> I mean, they... Because that's the other thing, is they, they've been saying that they support NIL, but they... Have also, done nothing. They don't do anything. They're just kind of waiting to see if states will do it. And they have so far, although the state of Kansas, uh, I think they just shot down an NIL bill. Uh, yeah, the, they did. In the state senate. Which is kind of disappointing. Which I think that they probably... This is getting off on a, a completely different part of the weeds, but I feel like Kansas Republicans are going... If if Laura, Governor Laura Kelly brings up literally anything, Republicans are going to say no. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically how it goes. Uh, that's how it's been in a lot of state legislatures, I guess. I, I don't want to delve too deep into this. But, no. But... Basically, like, when you have a supermajority, you aren't going to really do anything that the other party says, even if it makes sense. Like, and that goes for Democrats as well. But, mm -hmm. I don't know, that's just kind of politics. And that's yeah. also outside the scope of this podcast. But, yeah, it... So, from, from a state standpoint, I feel like whenever it gets to the point of a majority, whenever 26 out of 50 states... Or three out of five Power Five conferences say, all right, here are our established name, image, and likeness rules. I feel like one of two things is going to happen. The NCAA is going to say, okay, fine, we'll pick, like, SEC's rules, and that'll be the rules for everybody. Or the decentralized approach in which everyone is going to pick that anyway and including group of five and power five schools, they're just going to pick one conference and then they're going to make that what they have. And then there's just going to be the two other schools that the other two conferences and the power five that did it maybe first who will stick with their model. 
But honestly, with the modeling, the way it'll turn out, there'll probably be very minimal differences between yeah, them. it'll pretty much all be technicalities. However, I do know that I think it's the Senate. Uh, I think it's Cory Booker and a couple other people are drafting legislation about it right now. And mm-hmm. I think they've been working with athletes, conferences, and the NCAA to figure that out. Just okay. to make overarching guidelines on it which i would prefer that honestly i mean like i don't love like the idea of like the federal government getting really involved in sports but in this case when it's just kind of like where if if i think if they don't get involved we really risk uh the a lot of power imbalance of, of yeah of parity getting really bad so i think if the federal government can come in and institute a salary cap and stuff like that and and find ways basically to where players are going to get paid but it's not going to influence it's, it's not going to skew towards schools that have massive donor pools and, and this is at least as best as they can although granted i don't know how much things will change if they don't do that because that assumes that they aren't already paying players to go to big schools and they're because people I've seen that argument a lot. That's going to really hurt K-State. But ultimately, I don't necessarily agree because we're, that means that we have to pretend that schools like Alabama and Clemson and Auburn and Texas and OU are not paying athletes in Tennessee. some way already. Yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee. We're doing it. We're in the most bags. obvious way possible. They were bold-faced idiots. Like, <laughs> you morons. Yeah, they were doing it unbelievably stupidly. It was a it was an insult to the to the way to cheating as as an insult to cheating in the amateur sports world. Like you're gonna cheat, at least do it well. Yeah, (laughs) KU basketball and Tennessee football, y'all y'all messed up. So this is a this is a different discussion, but it's something that we could cover. So the way that I. In my perfect world, where everything goes the way that I want it to, because, yes. You, you know best. Because I know best, obviously. In the perfect world for me, name, image, and likeness does not mean that you get paid to play through the university. Because I think that that is the one reasonable position that I, I kind of agree with on with the alarmist side of this. The scholarship is how you get paid through the university. That's something that I agree with. The ideal way that I want this to be set up is that you, as a player, can use your face in the exact same way that you and I are doing. We're using our voices to make a profit and transmit ourselves. I'm Say right, if we I got... Mean, yeah, we're making a profit. I mean, we're making sense. Of- yeah, we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> making literal sense. But if we were college athletes, the NCAA would have sent black helicopters to us by now. And we would have, we would have been shot and killed. Podcast. We would be done for. We'd be screwed, completed, over, finished, if you will. Yeah. So the, the ideal way for me, and I'm not sure if this is a controversial take, is that universities should not be allowed to pay the players directly. I, I think, think that's, that's what's got... not overly controversial. I don't think. I mean, I think a lot of people would disagree with it. I don't know how I fully feel, so like I can't say I agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm willing to listen to both arguments on that. All I know is that NLI or NIL. I don't know, like it's National Letter of Intent. That's why I keep saying NLI. Yep. 
mm -hmm. NIL, name, image, and likeness. Like, that's something that should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, because I think it's ridiculous that I can't go out and buy a Deuce Vaughn jersey. Right. Like, and I, and I think it's ridiculous that if I did, and this was somehow allowed, Deuce Vaughn wouldn't make a single cent off of that. I think that's ridiculous. Right, like, because you can, like, go and make a custom jersey with a custom number on it. Like, in 2012, I could have gotten a K-State number 7 jersey and then, like, a sewed-on, like, um, Klein on the back. But Colin Klein wouldn't have made any money from that. And he deserves to. Because he was the face of the program that year, and he was a Heisman candidate, and everybody knew him. Everybody knew Optimus Klein. They, people were talking about him every single day, or every single week on college game day. Because he was a Heisman frontrunner for a while. So why shouldn't he be able to profit from that? Like, yeah, not every college athlete is made equal. Like, there's going to be the walk-ons that, like, maybe never see the field. But you know what? They still, they deserve a little something as well. Like, mm -hmm. like maybe not to get, like, I don't know, like a Nike endorsement. Because, I mean, guys like Zion Williamson, they should be able to sign, they should be able to sign a shoe deal. When yeah, college. absolutely. Like, why, why make them wait a year? It, it makes no sense. Like, mm -hmm. like, the only thing I can see... Uh, becoming controversial with that is if colleges start using uh, shoe companies as a way to lure recruits to places, but they're already doing that. Yeah, so I mean, why does it what matter? You, what is like a lot Adidas of people already did that. Yeah, <laughs> what's the concern? Like, yeah, they're like if we if we pass this, people will start cheating. Oh, oh no! no. Not, not starting cheating in amateur sports. <laughs> this has never happened before. <laughs> oh how, no! How there is. We, how will we recover from this? There isn't currently a basketball coach being investigated by the FBI. No. No. Arizona State football <laughs> didn't just get the hammer brought down on it by them on the NCAA for hosting visitors during uh, COVID times, giving them an unfair advantage. And there's no way, like. People never cheat. Like mm. that, that, that's a that's just a false narrative. That's fake news. <laughs> but like that's my biggest gripe with the anti NIL uh, people is I think people that are anti NIL I just don't think they fully grasp that NIL is not like salaries no. necessarily. And if it is in any way, it was already happening. Mm -hmm. So all you're upset about is that it isn't a secret anymore, and it, it was never amateur sports. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like the NCAA says, like people only watch college sports because they are there for the amateur aspect of it. And I think no. for maybe one percent of people that watch, and they fool themselves. And I I simply don't know why that is. I know people like that. I don't get it. I've never watched K State because I. I'm like, wow, I love that these athletes aren't paid. No, it's because I love K-State. And I yeah. want them to make money for... The, like, Deuce Vaughn should be able to uh, um, make money. He should be able to get his own shoe line. He should be able to make a Nike cleat called, like, like the Deuce Ankle Breaker Once. Like, <laughs> Dude... Wouldn't I just that be awesome. That would be. I I don't play football and I'd buy those. Also, can we get Deuce Vaughn his own McDonald's meal? <laughs> yeah, can we? Can we get the yeah the Deuce's loose meal? What would that be? Twenty two chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> what drink? High C. High C. Low C. 
Los. Anyway, but yeah, I <laughs> we we agree on don't give people salary. Scholarship is salary. Allow them to take endorsements. But to to make this balanced, I suppose we it it, it is prudent of us to look at the opposing perspective. Yeah. Like because the pro salary part, or do you mean the anti nil part? The anti nil part, yeah, because we're up on salaries. I would be fine with a salary if it was standardized for all athletes. No, I, every I, athlete, every athlete gets X amount of dollars. I would be fine with that. No, because I I feel like the way that it would work is very similar. Basically, how I'm going to say this is the New Orleans Saints. How they always are enter the off season a hundred million dollars over the cap, and then they just finagle it to where reasonably people are getting paid the exact same amount of money, but they somehow end up getting more cap space than they had the previous year. I feel like that there's a lot of shenanigans that would happen with that, and I just feel people getting basically the right to use their face, which is something that should be a human right yeah it it's that's something that i agree with but not the salary even if it is standardized because there's a standardized salary cap and yet the new orleans saints and kansas city chiefs somehow managed to be over and under it in two days i mean when i say standard i mean like i don't mean a salary cap I mean, very specifically, like, every college athlete gets a baseline salary of X amount of dollars, and NIL is the bonuses. Like, that's what I think it should be. And I don't think it should be, like, anything nuts, because they're already getting a scholarship to pay for their education, their room, and their board, and they get two meals a day. I think it should be something like 10K at the most. Like, like that's, like, plenty. And I don't, this is a totally separate thing, but a lot of college athletes have children. I think there should be a separate fund for... Uh, like a child support uh, thing for athletes that kids okay yeah that's fair yeah i could see that like that's like but that's the most i would do i don't like the idea of like college like literal free agency like i don't i don't think that'd be fun at all so i think a standard salary and then add in nil benefits as like to like actually differentiate and uh like have people like make money from endorsements and stuff like that yeah and on the note of the free agency part, this is going to be completely in the weeds. There will be two developmental leagues coming up in 2022 and probably 2023 in the United States Football League and the Extreme Football League. I think those will serve as developmental leagues, which I don't think they carry the same requirement that the NFL has, where you have to be two or three years removed from high school. So I feel like that will kind of act as the immediate gimme money option for a lot of right. high schoolers but that that's kind that's getting down the road and is really off topic but when you say when you say extreme football leagues that the the Dwayne the Rock Johnson XFL yes excellent i'm i'm happy to see that return I am as well. I, I will proudly say I watched the XFL on the second stint, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I, I enjoyed everything that they did with that. It's just a shame that the Rona decided that everything was going to be awful. Yeah, that was a great product, and it just happened to 
like be like hitting its stride at the worst possible possible time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now that the rock is in charge, it is simply too big to fail because if it does start doing poorly, they can just like make them be in a Fast and Furious movie and just like yeah. give them a bunch of Fast and Furious revenue. Like Hobbs and Shaw present the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> but so we we said we were going to take a look at the opposing perspective and then didn't. So the opposing perspective of this is there will be a lot of players who will and keep in mind that I this is not an argument that I necessarily believe. In fact, I will counter it immediately after I make it. There are a lot of people who will go to bigger schools exclusively for the brand recognition of going to the school. Which, firstly, what is going to be more popular? A great player on a great team who's perennially known for success. Or, good player goes to mediocre school. I, okay, so, so let me pose this question in a completely different way. Who is the more popular co- college athlete going into this last season? Brees Hall or Deuce Vaughn? The correct answer is Deuce Vaughn. And you get more credibility playing for a quote-unquote mediocre or less a powerhouse team because you're the person who stands out? So, and that that's not me dumpstering on K-State entirely, even though, yeah, last a year little, was, was, was not ideal yeah a smidgen a smidgen of a dumpster yeah but I, I i just don't buy that argument and the whole slippery slope argument of oh this will just lead to salaries for college players which i mean no because yeah like i that's been the one of the biggest arguments I've seen is everyone's like, well, it's a slippery slope. That's like people's favorite word when anything regarding like the rights of athletes comes along as well. We have to continue to treat them like shit because then we might accidentally like treat them like people if we like, continue to give them <laughs> accidentally. <rights. laughs> and the people and ultimately, I keep seeing people say it's like going to be bad for K State. NIL will not be bad for K State. It will be good for K State if we mm-hmm. can give people more financial incentive to come here because like. Like, one of the biggest knocks, like, that's been going around about K-State right now is that it's hard to recruit to Manhattan, which is a myth. You just need to be a good recruiter. Like, like people have done it. Like, Ron Prince, shitty coach, great recruiter. Like, like, he was able to get Josh Freeman, future NFL quarterback, to come to K-State and literally play below 500 for three mm-hmm. years. And, yeah. like, he still got him here. And Ron Prince got was some of our, he was maybe our best recruiter, like, as a head coach ever. That we were, he wasn't using them correctly, and we were bad. <laughs> but he was getting good players. Like, <laughs> like that was that was why we were treading water at the very least. But but yeah, oh my gosh, I completely forgot where I was. I started ranting about Ron Prince every every time. Manhattan, I about Ron Prince. Yeah, Manhattan. Manhattan being hard to be recruited to. Yeah, but middle of nowhere, Kansas, billboard. Yeah, yeah, that's like um giving people a bit more uh, financial security in that regard, and then also. I don't know, just like having that additional money, maybe that's something that like, like, because I know that there's uh, concerns about getting to Manhattan, just period. Uh, uh, just because there's not a lot of direct flights to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. If uh, NIL, if players are getting paid uh, in that uh, sort of sort of way, maybe 
Um, that that can be resolved in some fashion. Like maybe they like help pay for their families to fly out watch a game. They shouldn't yeah. have to do that. Like I'd rather but... like the, but but like that's the easier way to go about it. Yeah. Although un unrelated, well actually it is related. But K State or not K State, Manhattan Regional Airport. They need to add a flight to Atlanta for no other reason than for football recruiting reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Direct flight to Atlanta. No one's on... Like, they only get one passenger on the plane every two weeks, but... <laughs> yeah, like, other than the month of June, in which that, <laughs> that thing is filled every single day with visitors to campus, and the rest of the time, it's just empty, empty aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can only have it... You can have it be a, a monthly flight, then. Yeah, well, we'll do that. Yeah, well, we'll have it be a seasonal flight. Like... Summer and fall. Yeah, there you go. We've solved the problem. <laughs> there, we, we've solved K-State recruiting, guys. Well, that's <laughs> it for this week. We'll just... <laughs> that actually does kind of lead us to our to our last bit of the show, which is just the outro. We don't have a wacky story this week. We could tell the story of Reggie Stubblefield again. Gone to that well a few times. Yeah, but... uh, Reginald, we, we, we've... We've utilized him a few times for content at this point. Like, I think we need to let that simmer a bit, unfortunately. Yeah. I would tell the story of Reggie Stubblefield every week. But... <laughs> have it oh, be we, our bit. We, yeah, we, we have to make our own identity. This episode sponsored by Reggie Stubblefield. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness when that comes by. You see, people are confused. Ultimately, name, image, and likeness, players are going to sponsor us. <laughs> Reggie <laughs> Stubblefield is just going to sponsor this podcast. Yeah, uh -huh. this is brought to you by Reggie Stubblefield and Associates. What do they do? Nobody knows. Nobody but knows. They are associates, and one of them is <laughs> Reggie Stubblefield. <laughs> but we've been talking a lot about financials for college athletes, but there's another part of financials that comes with the reality of this podcast, which is the inevitable beg for money. Not necessarily beg, but. Connor and I are both college students, and while we really, really love making this podcast and would do it for free, at least I would. I would. Um, yeah, most certainly would. You gotta get the, you gotta make them think it, but <laughs> that's a joke. Sell it. Sell it. Sell it! But the reality of the situation is both of us are college students. So in our bio, there is a link to support this podcast, and if you can give even a dollar, every single dollar that you give to us will go towards making this show better. Whether it be new microphones, setting up more recording dates, more research time, more film study. And every single dollar will go to improving the show and helping Connor and I make a living. But the most important thing to both of us is thank you so much for listening to both of us talk about sports. The Supreme Court, I guess, in this case. And a lot of legalese in, in this one. But. Yeah, a lot of legal stuff. But thank you so much for listening to us and being an active listener to this podcast. Every single listener is a life that... This is going to sound very cheesy, but it's something I genuinely believe. It is a life and a person that we've reached and talked to. And that is the beauty of podcasting and why I think it is a wonderful medium. But thank you so much for watching. And do you have any do you have any closing statements here, Connor? Uh, I'll thank people as well. Uh, basically, this is something that I have wanted to do for a very long time. And the fact that we're getting any listeners at all 
is a miracle in of itself. Because <laughs> I, I kind of came into this just like kind of expecting to be speaking to the void with Ace, but I was fine with that because I just wanted a place to uh, export my my K State um, optimisms and fears and everything in between, uh, and most especially the pain of being a K State fan. <laughs> Hey. I was having an outlet. But nevertheless, uh, we, we've had more listeners than I thought that we ever would have. And we've done all of that in, well, in significantly less than a month. I mean, uh, not even three weeks at this point. I mean, we're doing way better than I ever thought that we would. Mm-hmm. And that I, uh, every everyone that's listened to any episode at all, even if it was just for like 30 seconds, just to give us like a penny of ad revenue i appreciate you (laughs) yeah we we will massively appreciate you and also it's worth noting that just because of the listenership that we've gotten so far i've gone out and i've started looking into t-shirt designs for mostly for ourselves wearing them around campus for advertising purposes but maybe even for merch someday and i've also started commission I, i commissioned an artist to make us a a logo something that you could be recognized with and i can't say that i would have had the drive to do that if i didn't see how we've built an audience no matter how small it is i wouldn't have had the drive to go out and go the extra mile just for making this as good an experience and as accessible an experience for everyone that is possible yeah, like, like now we're getting to the point where we want to uh, refine this and make it more professional for everybody that's watching. We want this to be a, like a better experience for, for everybody. Not that it isn't already like a, a good one, but we know that we can do better. And mm-hmm. part of that just starts with presentation and um, maybe even having merch, like Ace said. So if you would be interested in merch, let us know. Because we, if there's interest, uh, we, we will start selling merch. We will... We will give you shirts if you buy them. Absolutely. And this is conveniently where we can plug our social media. Follow us on Twitter at Aggieville ACATS, which is capital A in Aggieville, capital A in A, and then capital C in CATS. And feel free to send us any questions, whether through Twitter DMs or our email, which is AggievilleAllyCats at gmail.com. Send us any questions or the if you have any interest in buying a t-shirt from us with are hopefully soon upcoming revamped Aggieville Alley Cats logo, which the new I'm pers- and improved Aggieville Alley Cats podcast coming soon. Yeah, it's not just the the paint.net job that I did in forty five minutes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's pretty it's pretty good for uh, um, a free logo site and forty five minutes. Yeah, it's better than what I could do. I, so I guess that's my standard for it. <laughs> but also feel free if you'd be so inclined to follow us on our personal twitters i'm at ace edward zero zero and you'll see me complaining about k State offenses a lot and also possibly retweeting some okay memes i suppose i think they're pretty good i'd say they're at least above average above average memes yeah minimum you okay, got minimum. you got some gems in there i'll say all right i'll take that Connor, you want to plug yours? Yes. My my Twitter is it's literally just my name at Connor Balthazor. Uh I don't remember if I have capitals in it. Let me look. Yeah, it's um at uh capital Connor, C O N N O R, and 
um, Baltazor, capital B, and then A-L-T-H-A-Z-O-R. Rewind if I said that too fast. You can figure it out. Yeah, or just guess. Just guess. You know, you, I'm, you know, I, mean, my, I have a pretty obscure name. You'll probably find me anyways. Yeah, but I think that kind of leads us towards the end of our show. We've said everything we want to do, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we'll be here with your Kansas State sporting news, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, and goodbye.